Hi, my name is Nariba Shepard. And I'm Justin Onat Graham. And, and this, this is Terms of Service. Yes, and we are One day. with the people. <laughs> this is so exciting. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I am like low-key nervous, but I'll, I'll It's get because over people it. can actually hear us yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first time we have speakers for yes. a live recording. Usually yes. it's like some mime work. You're just like <laughs> staring at us and you're like, mm, they look like they sound good, you know? But yeah. today's the day. Absolutely. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, oh. My glasses snapped in half okay. the other day okay. on the way to see Wakanda forever. Uh, okay. And <laughs> yeah. And we had to get off the bus and get super glue and glue it back together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I spent money I didn't have to get emergency glasses mailed to me, hoping okay. that it would be today, but it'll be tomorrow. Okay. So these are super glued together okay. by my boyfriend. <laughs> they look amazing. Thank yes. you. And I can see, but I'm going to take this off because I'm a little bit nervous. Okay. <laughs> so if I can't see y'all, are you here? <laughs> yes, they are. Damn. Yeah. All right. How are you doing, B? I'm wonderful, actually. I'm very, very excited to be here. And, like, just looking at everyone is just, like, it's blowing my mind. So thank you again, <laughs> thank you everyone. Thank you, everyone. Yes, thank muchas, you, muchas thank gracias. You. Thank yes. you. And so that wonderful voice on the mic is our next guest. And we are just so grateful. And I don't even know yeah. how to properly introduce you so i'm gonna let you take it away and do it yourself my friend who are you <laughs> thank you so much uh, <laughs> by the way i i, I want to say that i'm so grateful for you guys having me here and for all of you being here as well as guests and, oh. and listening to to this amazing podcast yeah okay. i just arrived uh, yesterday from mexico yeah you yeah. did and the, yeah and yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live in la ciudad de mexico mexico city and mm -hmm. sometime in oaxaca so please come visit. Oh, I would I'll love to. Everyone, I'm trying. Really, okay, if you I'm ever made it, make it out there, I'd love to take you out to the Sierra and to meet farmers, producers, ah! drink some artisanal mezcal. Literally so say, less. Yes. You, yeah, yes. say less. Yeah, say less. Say less. Yeah, we're, yeah. Oh so, my God. But my Season name, four. <laughs> season yeah. four plants, yes. I, I'm sorry. It's just, I jumped from one place to another. Oh, no, no that's right regular here. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, welcome to Terms of Service. Yeah. You're fine. Yes. But... My name is Alejandro Gutierrez Champion. Uh, Champion is my second last name. So since I was a little kid mm -hmm. in kindergarten, there used to be two Alejandro Gutierrez. And one day the, the teacher is like, Alejandro Gutierrez. And we were both like, we're here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then my professor said, no, you're champ, you're Alex. So ever since, my friends have called me champ or mm -hmm. champignon or champu. <laughs> my, my name is Alejandro Champion, and I'm one of the co-founders for Mezcal Union. Ah. And thank you again for having me here, guys. Yes, thank you for being here. What an introduction. I know. Yes. Yeah. Full-fledged. <laughs> and I'm about to ruin it, because I'm going to ask you what your sign is. I'm a Sagittario, Sagittarius. Oh, yeah. No wonder yeah. you just came off of a flight. Yeah. You're yeah. always like moving. Do I love Sagittarii. Y'all are great. It's also my moon, so I'm biased. But <laughs> I like that y'all get so invested in one thing in particular and uh, you see it all the way through. It might not look sane to all the people around you, <laughs> 
but I like the work ethic, you know? Damn. I, like, respect also the ability to just get up and leave and do <laughs> anything that you want to do whenever you want to do. I don't have that, but respect. Yeah. Thank you so much for that description of a Sagittarius. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's inspiring. Does that. Thank you. All day, Lit, every yeah. day. Yeah. Like, it's, it's phenomenal. I feel like it's a healthy problem to have. Yeah. By the way, uh, being a Sagittarius, mm-hmm. I just turned 40 years old uh, on December 11th, last Sunday. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Happy <laughs> birthday. Yes. Oh, Happy my God. Birthday. This is all of the things in one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm you, on, the, you... on the fourth uh, floor now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, really happy to be there. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start looking at it that way. I'm still on the third floor, but okay, I mean, I'm okay with it. It's, it's better than the second floor. It's a good floor. feeling, the 40. For me, 30 was mm. kind of depressing. I don't know why. Mm. I was, like, really shocked by it. Like, mm. I wasn't feeling at a good space, at a good place. Tell me more. But 40, it feels awesome. I don't know. I guess 30 is, like, a point in your life where you can't... I mean, we never know how long we're going to be here, right? Yes. Right. But when you're 30, for me, it was like, oh, shit, I'm 30. Uh, maybe it's halfway through. Maybe I was having all these weird existential questionings. Right. I feel seen. Yeah. You feel seen? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is this okay? Literally, I had therapy today, and I was talking to my therapist about this, and I was like, I come here and talk to you once a week, every week. And it's like the opposite of the gym. Like, for me, going to the gym is hard, but once I'm there, I love it. Getting to therapy, easy. Being there, I'm like, I hate this. It's very challengeable. But at the end of it, I get endorphins because I'm like, oh shit, like some things are positive. I'm going to turn these L's into lessons. Oh my God, Chance the Rapper, get out my brain. Um, but it's, it is a challenge, I feel like. I feel like everything I did in my 20s set me up to be where I'm at in my 30s, but now I'm questioning everything. Constantly, all the time. Well, I think questioning questioning stuff, questioning life, it's important. Okay. You got to lose yourself to find yourself, right? So when you make all these questions, you might get a a little anxious and freaked out. But at the end of the day, as the answers sort of come into place, you feel better. And I'm hoping that's what part of life are. Okay. Yeah. Sick. Well. Champ, thank you so much for getting into Reba all the way together. <laughs> thank, thank you. So as we dive into this, you know, wonderful conversation, if you could just kind of tell us a bit about your background personally. Yes. Um, I was born and raised in Guadalajara, Jalisco. Mm-hmm. I was there till I was 21 years old. And then after 21 years old, I started traveling to different places. Uh, I've been a waiter. I've been a shift supervisor in hospitality. I I have Mm. to say this because I've loved working at restaurants and bars, and that's Mm -hmm. in many ways a little bit of how I started my career. Mm -hmm. But being in Guadalajara, my passions have always been my friends, uh, my family, basketball, skateboarding, and art. I love art. Um, Both my parents Mm -hmm. are artists, not professionally, but they love to paint. They love to draw. I grew up seeing this and getting a lot of inspiration from them. My grandmother grandmother also loves to draw. So I'm just mentioning this because I've been surrounded by a a family and friends of artists. Mm -hmm. I studied architecture. Oh, dip. 
unfortunately, I'm a dropout because I had to work uh, and sustain myself. But I and went that's through like a hard program to go through yeah, when real. you have to have a regular life as well. Yes. Yeah. My sister I'm, is also a dropout, but she's a plumber now and she loves it. You know, uh, I feel proud, not necessarily for dropping out, but it just was part of my experience and in life and what I had to go through. But I had eight semesters of school and I oh, learned yeah. a lot mm -hmm. and I made a lot of friends, good relationships that I'm still collaborating with. But unfortunately, I couldn't continue paying my school, my university. So I started working. Yeah. And... As I mentioned, I've been in hospitality, but art has been one of my biggest passions. And while I was studying architecture, I, I realized that a lot of my students, the students that I shared class with, mm -hmm. a lot of them were really good artists, really creative people. And there was one little opportunity that I saw where they were very creative, but they were, it was very challengeable for them to get to show their art out there. Yeah. It was hard for them to find an exhibition space or someone that helped them promote them. So for me, it was maybe I could become uh, that part of the chain and help mm. my buddies through some really cool art shows. Yeah. And that's how I started getting involved with brands through sponsorships, because I was asking a sponsorship from a beer company, from a booze company from a soda company. And that's how I started getting related with brands and marketing. And mm -hmm. that's eventually how I ended up uh, doing Mezcal Union. But art has been at the core of who I am. I'm still promoting contemporary art. Yeah. There's a, an art fair that happens every year that I've done for nine years. This is going to be our 10th year in February. It's called Salon Acme. I, okay, so I'm not going to call it creeping. Doing research. It's research. <laughs> There's research, Nariba. Yes. When I was doing research, <laughs> yes. Um, I came across like that little like link under your personal Instagram, and I was like, oh, let me click through and see. And then I saw how it crosses over and references itself in Mescal Union, and it's like everything is so interwoven, but it's also sustainable. So, like, right. how <clears throat> is this? art program well not program but it's like a community how do you find sustainability working its way into that art program well the sustainable the sustainability part of salon acme which mm -hmm. is now what we do i think it's about the mission and the purpose more than anything else and through the purpose we've been able to find a sustainable model Basically, what Salon Acme is all about is a platform for emergent artists that are not represented by galleries, that their art hasn't been shown. So basically, we do an open calling yeah. and we receive portfolios <coughs> from artists from all over the world. I, I'm very proud to say that we receive at least a thousand portfolios, not oh, only yeah. from Mexico, but from Asia, from Europe, from many parts of the world. And... When we receive these portfolios, then every year we invite a curatorial board, which is from relevant artists or collectors, museum directors, um, people from the art industry that do it pro bono. They don't really charge us to look at the portfolios. They, yeah. they want to see as the thermometer, like what's happening, the effervescence of contemporary art throughout the world of people that no one knows. So they like to go through those portfolios and then they make a selection of about 
anywhere between 200 to 300 art pieces. And then we exhibit that art throughout four days. And what happens is that, going back to the sustainable part of it, it's about also developing an emergent collectorship. Yeah. I mean, people that are turning into collectors. And in order to do that, we need affordable art. Yeah. This contemporary art and art in general, in many ways, have become very snobby. It's been like a very close circle. But art shouldn't be about that. Art should be about a language, a way of communicating, of expressing in a very democratic and inclusive way of showing what the world's going through in a social, environmental, economic uh Everything around what we live can be expressed through art, and that's what art should be all about. Touching so, the cornerstones. So Salon Acme, yeah. it's affordable art. Like the most expensive art piece that you'll find at Salon Acme at this open calling, it's still some money, but it's 35,000 pesos. Okay. Which is about $1,600. Yeah. But when you look at $1,600 for the most expensive art piece, and then you go to an art fair, True. Uh, there's pieces that are just... You, you will never have the opportunity, a, a lot of us will to never have the opportunity it. to get access to that. Yeah. And art should be something that that you get to see in a more free way and should be shared and seen without the necessity of the money in between. But as we all know, money is part of of who we are as yeah. human beings and, that and this world. Chokehold. Yeah. But yeah. having a, affordable art... Mm -hmm. allows us to have affordable clients and having this platform for emergent artists allows them to be seen, to be known. And, and it's going further. And it's going further because right what happens is that right after Salon Acme, we do it around the Art Week in Mexico City. Okay. So there's this big art fair called Salon, I mean Salon Acme, but I was going to say Sonamaco. <laughs> Sonamaco is similar to Freeze in New York or London oh, okay, or yeah. Miami Art Basel. So we have one of those in Mexico. And around that, there's a lot of satellite projects. So what I'm trying to say is that there's collectors from all over the world that have Coming come there. to Salon Acme and galleries too. And then they they choose artists and they grow their careers by being selected by a gallery. So now a lot of the artists that we've seen in Salon Acme, mm -hmm. now I've seen them in, in bigger art fairs and very relevant galleries. So it's like a way of, of growing your career as an unknown artist. And Salon also Acme making is a great space platform. for more people to be present in these places where they're getting the opportunities to grow. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. beautiful because art traditionally is gatekept. Oh, yeah. And that is just bullshit. <laughs> but Rude. yeah, that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I like, mean, oh. art, art, <laughs> I love art, uh, once again, because it's a way of expressing. It's a language where we can communicate whatever we want to say, but in, in a very polite way. Like, no one's going to freak out if it goes to a museum, right? Yeah. And at a museum, you can see all these crazy messages and, and hypotheses and theories and visions. and But no one really gets offended. It's a very nice it's an way open to, space. To, it's, it's an open right. space. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Uh. So would you say that that's the foundation of the work that you do now? Well, the, the additional work it's that still, you do now, yeah. It's still at the center mm -hmm. of it all. I actually, I mean, I remember when I launched uh, Mezcal Union in New York for the first time. The first time I was in New York City for the first time was because of Mezcal Union, and I got uh -huh. a tattoo. And oh, what'd you get? <laughs> it's, it's my handwriting, hand but it says, Earth, 
I love the word earth because mm -hmm. in the middle it says art. So there's two things that oh. I'm very passionate about, art and the soil. And when you look at mezcal, it's agave. Yes. And it's, it's a millinery tradition. It's a craft. It's art and earth, art and soil. So those are my two things. Those are the two things that move me, that I'm passionate about, and that I'm always going to be behind. And anything that I do in my life, in some way, has to be related to our soil and to art. Well... I have a lot of plant daddy questions to ask you because when I was doing my research, we, you're a very good researcher. Thank yes. you. Well, it's yes. because I like to call it creeping, but he told me I shouldn't do that because it's not part of my job description, really. But so I noticed when I was like going through specifically like how you guys are replanting plants and you're oh thank you um that even going into like the way that you manage the soil and the uh, sustainability and having a variety of plants so that you you're offering genetic variety so they don't like die out all of that was like beautiful and magical to me because people don't realize how much goes into the production of mezcal. And I didn't know that until like two or three years ago. But my friend Rochelle is like beating it into my head. And I have so much respect for mezcal in general because it came out of and this part i know because of broey who's here today and does so much training <laughs> yes um that it was something that was made because alcohol was being withheld from the region and it was something that people made themselves and it had and it became like Similar to how like champagne only comes from one region, it's the same with mezcal, and I think people don't know that. Yes, uh, I mean I love to give a little bit of context of mezcal. Yes, mm -hmm. please. But the word mezcal, I think we can start off from the word mezcal. Like, what does it mean? And it's an abbreviation of two indigenous words that come from the Nahuatl dialect, the, the, the dialect of the Aztecs, and it's metl ichcali, and. Metal means uh, agave heart, corazón de agave. Ichkali means cooked or boiled. So when you see the word mezcal or you read the word mezcal, it's corazón de agave cocido. Cooked agave heart. Mm. So when you think about mezcal, we should envision an agave where they shave the leaves and throw the center of it into the fire, underneath the ground on a conical oven, which can be two meters deep, two meters wide. It has one ton of oak wood or the wood from the region. They turn on like a huge bonfire, flames and smoke comes all over the place. Then they put volcanic and river stones on top of the fire. And then they throw the agaves inside the oven, cover it up with soil, and it slowly roasts underneath the ground for up to five days. So all the sugars within caramelize and become like a honey. It's delicious. But <clears throat> who came up with the idea of cooking the first agave? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> How do we know these yeah. things? Yeah, so who came up with this idea? And the second thing is that mezcal, again, it's a more than it's a millinery tradition. It's been thousands of years of this practice, this craft, and it's been considered a spiritual catalyzer. So there's two important parts about mezcal. It's not only a cooked agave heart, 
which again, who came up with that idea? And I'll explain some of the theories and legends. Oh, I but, like this. <laughs> but who decided that it was a spiritual medicine or how did this happen? So there's many theories, but the one, the one, the, this legend that still prevails and that I love the most is the story of the goddess Mayagüel, the goddess of fertility and family. Okay. Long story longer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is, this is what happened. So imagine we were Aztecs back in the day. And at some point there was a huge storm. So we had to hide on our shelters. And this storm, there was lightning coming down. There was a lot of hail, wind, similar to a hurricane. Ooh. So we, but like we, extra scary because you we we you don't have science yet, so it's just like <laughs> this is scary. This is just like a scary storm uh, that lasted for a few days. So we hid on our shelters. But when we came out, we had something in common. We were very hungry, and our noses were amazed by this beautiful honey nectar aroma that was coming from somewhere. So their noses took them to an agave or a. A few agaves where light, these lightnings had stroke right into them, split them in half, and cooked the center. An agave, there's about 200 different species of them, and about 90% of them are endemic to Mexico. Okay. And they have about 8,000 years of history. So it's a plant that grows in Mexico country, which is all of us, our country, because I believe we're citizens of the world. But when you, geographically, they like to grow in Mexico. And there's, they're different in color, size, shape, most important, terroir. Some of these plants can take over a decade to grow. Yep. For instance, in Mezcal Union, we use espadín that takes anywhere between six to eight years to grow. They call it espadín because the leaves look like swords. Okay. Sword in Spanish is espada. The other one, Unión Uno, we use cereal, which is an agave that grows tall and long. It takes up to 14 years to grow. The heart looks like wow. the, the trunk of a palm tree. <laughs> oh, okay. And that one, they call it cereal because in Mexico, these long candles, we call them cirio pascual. So they look like a candle. They call it cereal. Okay. And this one's more herbaceous, more grassy, you know. and mineral. I was literally just about to be like, the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, these agaves absorb the flavors it's the spirit of our ground. Yeah. If you want to represent and taste Mexico, there's no better way than sipping an artisanal mezcal. Because you're going to get the expression, in our case, from Oaxaca, which is at the center of Mesoamerica. Mesoamerica is from the center of Mexico all the way down to Guatemala. And that's where almost all indigenous civilizations emerged. The Mayans, the Aztecs, Toltecas, Mixtecas, Zapotecas, Huicholes, Mexicas. Uh. There's about 63 different indigenous dialects still spoken today in Mexico. And all of them have had in common the relationship with agave and with mezcal and pulque and tequila and bacanora and raicilla, which, by the way, they are all part of the umbrella of mezcal. Because any distilled agave spirit where you cook the heart mm. is traditionally a mezcal. Okay. But there is artisanal mezcal, industrialized mezcal, and ancestral mezcal. We are on the artisanal segment. Okay. Category. But going back to the goddess Mayahuel, they saw the lightning strike into an agave. It cooked the heart. They touched it and said, this is delicious food. It must be a message from the gods because they are polytheistic. They believe in many gods. For them, they, I mean, the Aztecs didn't have the opportunity to go through university or read a book. So for them, anything that they experience in nature 
was related to their spiritual side. So if there was like a, when the sun comes out, it's like oh, this ball of fire that that comes in the morning and goes in the afternoon must be a god. Because I mean, <laughs> right? Like, is it not though? It, it makes total sense, <laughs> yeah, right? Absolutely. And the same with the moon, and the same with the wind, and the same with the rain, and the same with the fire. So for them, it was like this is a message from the gods. All we gotta do is shave the leaves, cook the heart, and we have food. So they started grabbing pieces from it, chewing on it, and as days go by, it naturally ferments. So bacteria, yeast that it's in the atmosphere, that mm-hmm. it's not. We can't see it with our eyes, but it exists. It's eating the sugars and converting it into mezcalito. So after three weeks, we were not only having delicious food, but we felt more lucid, more energetic, more connected to ourselves. So it, it was no longer just a gift from the gods, but they created the story of Goddess Mayawel because they studied the plant and they came to a conclusion that when it reproduces itself, Mm-hmm. It shoots up like the trunk of a tree. You can see here at Tobala. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It shoots up like the trunk of a tree. It gives branches. It flowers. These flowers pollinize primarily from bats. There's a lot of mysticism behind mezcal. And you get up to 1,800 seeds. Yeah. So they said this is a clear representation of the goddess of fertility and family. And if we grow these plants and we take care of them and we seep from them, we're connect. We're 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 uh, getting. Nourished Yes Mm -hmm. Directly from the breast Of the goddess Mayagüe And that's been The millinery tradition About mezcal See I love that I feel like sometimes That is beautiful (laughs) Thanks man Thanks And it's not Thank you Thank you Thank you Thank you Absolutely Wow I I felt like It was hella story time (laughs) I'm like Tell me more about this goddess (laughs) But I Love and respect cultures that always go back to the land. I think a lot of growing up in Trinidad was getting to know the people around you and everyone and their respect for the land and learning how to treat it. And like coming to America has been like sort of jaded. I feel a little jaded now because when I talk to my mom, I feel like she's still connected to like this greater place because she like lives in Trinidad and I think that agave is a beautiful unifier for everyone in places that may not share the same things regionally but these plants all like bring you together yes they bring people together because it feels ancestral yeah and that's yeah it definitely brings people together I mean, mezcal not only has been used as, as as the juice that we drink, but the agave has many uses. It's been used as a type of currency. For a long time, people would exchange agave or the actual mezcal in, re- in regards to something else, like uh, it could be an animal, it could be a piece of land. Uh, it's been a way of exchanging as a type of currency. It's been a, ty- uh, a type of food. It's been used to make textiles out of its fiber, to make little bricks to build shelters. But the one most important is a spiritual catalyzer. So it okay. has many, many uses that has brought and still brings people together, not only in the Sierra of Oaxaca or in the agricultural and production side, but in hospitality. We're all right here together because to of Mezcal. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> right? Hell yeah. so it does bring people together yeah. and it brings happiness to people. But you got to respect it. It's like the ocean. 
And mezcal is something that you got to sip on it, that you got to enjoy, and that you got to respect. Because the minute you don't respect it, uh, you're losing everything that's special about it. It can become something negative, mm -hmm. but that's with anything in life, right? Like, you got to have a balance and you got to find, you got to respect things and, and not overpass anything. So, as long as you do it with respect and with love, Definitely, it's going to bring people together. It's going to bring happiness. And, and hopefully, it keeps bringing opportunities to the people that have inherited this knowledge. Oh, yeah. Well, cheers. Salud. <laughs> Salud. Yes. Yeah. Salud. Yes. I was about to say, like, this is my first drink. Salud, that guys. Salud. 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 Yes. And by the way, Tatiana and Ryan and Mary are making delicious cocktails. Yes, and we also are. have, yeah. you can drink it neat on ice or the pineapple cocktail or the chocolate cocktail they have oh, now in the I want that. Cold, I'm lactose intolerant, times. but I'm going to have that though. <laughs> it's, it, it's coming in a bit. One yes. of, oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, one of my questions is like, I keep going for my glasses that don't exist. <laughs> um, but can you see? I can see y'all. Okay, <laughs> great. And right. I can see like the essence of everyone else, okay. you know? The, the aura. Yes. <laughs> um, is there a way that you think people should have mezcal before they like make up their mind about whether or not they like it? Yes. I, well, like, what I, is the best way? I think the best way is neat. Mm -hmm. Neat? It's a... And if you have a vaso veladora, vaso veladora, it's a little copita made out of glass, okay. which traditionally you drink mezcal from. Uh, it's usually a little glass that has a candle. You take the candle out and you drink from it. And also there is a jicarita, which is the skin of a fruit that you dry out and it serves like a copita. So the best way, it's either with the jicarita or with the vaso veladora and just room temperature, an ice pour. And, and you start giving it little kisses. You never shoot it. I mean, mm -hmm. even though sometimes I do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's something that you, first off, you got to put it on your hands. And you, you guys can try it right now, but you put it on your hands, you rub them, you let the alcohol evaporate. Mm -hmm. And when you smell your hands, I mean, I think somebody has to come up with the idea of making a perfume of mezcal. I mean, because uh, well, because the way it smells, man, it's like an incense. It's like a like a bonfire in your hands. So you get the 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 expression and aromas from from the wood, from the soil, from like wet soil, and and also the connotations from the agave, the sweetness, the herbation, the grassiness, the minerality, and all that it's expressed in your hands as the alcohol evaporates. So when you do that, you, you can realize if it's an artisanal mezcal or if it's an industrialized mezcal. Okay. If it's an industrialized mezcal, it'll smell more like alcohol or additives, which can be vanilla or caramel. But when it's artisanal, it's just like, it just smells and feels uh, artisanal all the way, you know? Listen. And sip on it and enjoy it little by little. It's like a, I don't know if it has happened to you guys, but sometimes your favorite band releases an album. And you listen to it and you're like, what What happened to these guys? But then it grows on you. Okay. Uh, the third time you listen to the record can become your favorite record in life. But not necessarily that's the first impression you get. So I think you got to let yourself and give yourself the opportunity to taste it, to feel it. Not only one time, but come back to it. Give it the opportunity. And I would say nine out of ten people that... That give themselves this opportunity mm -hmm. by the third mezcalito 
they don't go. There's no way back. Okay. Uh, you're yeah. an aficionado. I mean, are you gonna go over there with me after this, and we're gonna try this out because I don't want to be like. I will be right there. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. So I just I need to know about this. Yeah, All right, yeah, we're doing do that. Yeah, and also I do want to mention that people will be listening to this episode, so that mezcal perfume situation, mm-hmm. uh, that should be yours. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yes. Also, this like ice though. Can someone please tell me a little bit about that? Like, oh, where did yes. this ice so, come from? Why is it shaped like this? Yes. I am not mad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited. Amazing. So I mean. we're currently enjoying a wonderful, wonderful creation from the Garnet Crew, and I just want to give them an ample shout out right now murr, to murr, Ryan murr, and Tatiana because like these beverages are absolutely amazing. In it. Yes, and so we are starting with a Pina de Mi Corazón. I don't speak Spanish, so oh I don't God. know if I just it ruined that. It was perfect, that. man. La piña de corazón, sí. Thank you. Thank, thank you so very much. So that is featuring the Mezcal Union Uno with herbal liqueur, pineapple, lemon, habanero syrup, and it's garnished with pineapple fronds, and it's served over just this beautiful pineapple ice cube given to us from our friends Imposter at Nice Ice Syndrome. Company. So thank ice you so cubes. much to them because that is just ridiculous and delicious. And also, shout out to Marco who brought some mezcal here for me to put on my hands. Oh, uh, yes! Yes, yes Marco. to actually do, Let's do, it. do the thing. So if you could pass that down, yeah, yeah, yeah. please. I thank would. you. There you oh, go. All right. Like, and it's okay if it drips. A, I mean, the part no is not going to be happy it about drip. it. It evaporated. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Wash your hands with it. Let it let it dry out a little bit. Because what you're washing my hands with mezcal. Oh okay. my God. <laughs> you need the alcohol to evaporate, <laughs> yeah, right? For sure. But try it out. How does it smell? Oh my God. You get it? <laughs> right? It smells good. That's. I love the smell. But where's the <laughs> lime coming from, though? Well, like it has like a little bit of like like mint. Yes, it's like yeah. green minty uh, lavender. Uh, there's citrus to it. Wait, there's hide it. No, don't give them the notes. <laughs> okay, okay. You have to bottle this yourself. <laughs> this is gonna be on the internet. <laughs> trying to protect you. Yes. Well, we could finish talking about it after. Okay. Yes. Off. Oh my god, that was mic. amazing. I don't even know what to say to that. That, that was awesome. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Marco, for making, making, making that it happen. happen. Dreams coming true. Now, that's that's the first yeah. way you do it. And I think having a neat mezcal with a sliced orange. Yes. And some sal mm. de gusano. Okay. Uh, which is the, the worm salt. And people ask me in the U.S., Worm salt is is that is there? I haven't had it with the worm salt. Yeah, it's, but I'm willing to try most anything. That's the most traditional way of sipping mezcal. Okay. If you're in Oaxaca and you go to a mezcaleria, they're gonna offer you some mezcalito in a copita or jicarita with some sliced oranges and salecita de gusano, which it's the red worm that likes to grow around the agave. It's its natural habitat. Okay. In some tequila brands back in the day, for marketing purposes, they were putting the, the gusano on the bottle. And some people were like, if you take a shot with the gusano, you might hallucinate and all this. <laughs> but, but, I was like, <laughs> I don't But it's not true. I, I think uh, it was just for marketing purposes. But the gusano is for culinary purposes. This red worm, they pick them by hands and then they dry them to the sun. They put them on a toaster. 
and then they mix it with sea salt and three types of spice. It can be chile piquín, chile de árbol, chile guajillo. So it's like a chili powder with warm salt that has a very salty, really peculiar, beautiful taste. Say less. With the sea salt, with the spice, and then you put it on an orange, and as you're sipping mezcal, you bite the orange. And in tequila, for instance, some tequilas, they want you to lose the side of the flavor right away. So they give you a lime. Like, you shoot it, oh, a lime. No. But in mezcal, it's different. You use an orange because you want to amplify the, the flavors in, and aromas. So it just enhances or excels the, the, the connotations of mezcal when you're doing it with an orange, with the sal de gusano. Okay. And this is how we do it. All right. You can do it with water. I'm sorry. You can do it with any type of fruit. Usually, I like Is that. What's on this right now? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, so I'm loving right. this interactive episode. Right? Okay, <laughs> like this. yes. Okay, but uh, I like. Uh, if in some cases in the U.S., it's really hard to find the sal de gusano, and it's hard to get something the same as it. But you can use a. a there's a chili powder. Tajin. A tajin. That's mm -hmm. a, that's a great option. And, <laughs> You can rim the glass one. with it like a margarita. It's just delicious. Oh, my God. Y'all make your own fancy <laughs> <laughs> merch, y'all. <laughs> okay. But uh, I also, I mean, I'm when it comes. Gross, like, so I'm going to try it with our hand. In, in, go, 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 go ahead. Just Cheers. Cheers. As they say I in the furniture I business. I took your joke. Cheers. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. All right. Salud. Salud. Right. Salud, hermano. But in the U.S., uh, I mean, the cocktail scene is one of the best in the world, right? And I've learned to drink cocktails. Oh I'm very passionate about classic cocktails. And what I've came to realize is that bartenders, mixologists, in many cases, wow. they, they <laughs> switch the base spirit on a classic cocktail for mezcal, and mm -hmm. it works Perfectly. Yes. Mm. You know, you can do Negronis, uh -huh. you can do old fashions, you a can mezcal do mezcal Negroni is my mules. jam. Mm -hmm. It's my jam. All day. Last <laughs> yes. word. A last is that the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. La última palabra. Oh my God, so, this was fucking delicious. Yeah. Do you want the, you want some more of this? Whatever's your favorite <laughs> cocktail, <laughs> try to put some mezcal and switch it for the base spirit and you'll see, you'll be amazed. It's just like, it's like a great weapon of choice for any bar, any bartender. Cause it, it was just, like, That's like salty, but also umami, mm -hmm. like it and earthy. Yes, definitely. God earthy. damn. Yeah. Well, I went on changing my mind about things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just that was a very fuck around and find out. Situation. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. We one hundred found out. Yeah. The correlation was exactly what I thought it was going yeah. to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I've learned so much about like mezcal over the last two years specifically but I had a friend who brought like what his family makes back and he would always like give me a little like mason jar of it yeah. and I feel like it was You know, like when you get bread sometimes and you don't want to finish your bread, but then it goes bad. It didn't happen with the mezcal, mm -hmm. but I just like 
There wasn't even like enough to make a drink or to have a sip of it, but I would like keep it basically until it evaporated. So I'm trying my best now to like appreciate it while I have it instead of trying to hold on to it right. so intensely that I lose it. Okay. And I feel like this conversation has made me even feel even more rooted in the fuck around and fi- <laughs> uh, find out diaspora yeah. that just fucking happened. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. Well, yeah. Like you- multiple times, I'm just going to stop to thank you yes. for being here. No, this thank great. You. Yeah. you can always, but, always call me or call Marco or yeah. uh, Cortland. <laughs> I don't know if you know Supreme <laughs> Court. <laughs> Yes. So when this was originally happening, and he was talking about mezcal union, I was like, I thought we—that's who we were going to sit down with initially. And it's because I was like at his house for a friend's birthday, and we talked so much about mezcal in my drunk, soggy brain. He like seeped in there, and today I saw him, and I was confused. I was like, a glitch in the matrix? Is this happening? He's here. Yes. Thank you, brother. Yes. And thanks again, everyone, for being here. But I, I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta mention Cortland real quick because when I first came to Chicago, again because of Mezcal Union, pretty much everywhere I've been in my life, it's been because Mezcal Union has taken me there. And when I first came to Chicago and I started doing my research, I also like to research. Ah, like, <laughs> it's called <laughs> creeping. <laughs> While I was doing my creeping, yes, yes, I was doing it and. It works and, for this and episode. And everybody <laughs> mentioned these these guys, Supreme Court, Portland. And at the time, I, I went to this bar, Danny's Tavern. And oh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. we all miss. We yeah. all miss. Yes. We all miss. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and I met Kevin, uh, who happened to manage it for a long time. And I approached him because I this, this brand has been built just going door to door and sharing our story, sharing mezcal, making friends one bottle at a time. Yes. And getting to yeah. know Kevin, he's like, listen, like he was a little, he was, he wasn't that expressive, but he was very helpful. He's yes. like, listen, dude, I'm, I'm busy here, but if you want your stuff here, you got to talk to, to our mezcal guy. I'm like, yeah, I would love to. Who, who is he? He's Cortland Supreme. He's not around. Uh, but you just got to keep trying. <laughs> and I came back and I came back and I came and I never see, saw him. And then finally they told me you can find him at Dobbs at this hour. And I did. And I show up and he's like, so you're the dude that's been looking for me. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, man. And we became great friends. It's been a, a friendship of more than five years now. He's, I have to say, one of my best friends in life. And he's a Chicago Hell guy. Yeah. So thank you for being here, brother, and supporting. Yeah. Means a lot, man. Yeah. And for representing Mezcal with all the chi- Chicago Chicagoans, I don't know if that's the right word. So. I ain't from here, so yeah. So <laughs> they said it. Yes. <laughs> so salute for Cortland and all the Mezcal aficionados. Yes. <laughs> I don't have I don't so. have a beverage, but I'm choosing <laughs> in spirit. So yes. one here Thank for you. you, brand new. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean. Damn. I like I have all of these things where I'm just like, oh, like let's touch up upon this. And I actually just want to throw it out the window because I literally feel like I could talk to you for hours. Yeah. Ah, thank you guys. Yeah. I, I love talking too. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's really nice and it's a, a a way to steam off 
some of the issues that you all of us are carrying when you have the, the opportunity to chat with someone and, and feel free about anything you want to say and it's, it's it feels relief no like yeah. it feels good I know. I'm like, this This feels great. And I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm going to come in with some more questions, like a crazy person. Come on in, researchers. Um, <laughs> You're good. What are some ways you think that we can better honor the people who are like out there making these products and like working the land? Like, what is the best way that we can support what's happening? Well... In, to begin with, hospitality and and like you guys that that have a community and are, are a window for hospitality and industry related people to express themselves. I think you're already doing it. You, the fact that you're a window. I, I myself, I'm not a mezcal producer. I'm not an agave farmer, mm -hmm. but I'm a promoter of mezcal. And speaking on behalf of the people that produce this juice that are not sitting right here because they are the they are the special people behind mezcal. Yeah. Uh, I'm a promoter of it, but it's the maestros mezcaleros, men and women, the farmers, men and women, that have inherited this knowledge, that do it with all their heart, and that have shared throughout the world their juice. I think in your way, you're already doing it because you're a window for these voices to be expressed through other people. I'm just a medium yeah. uh, for them. So you're already helping a lot. And I think when it comes to hospitality, which is all of you guys, mm -hmm. you're <clears throat> already helping tremendously because you are also promoters of this spirit. And every bottle of mezcal, because I have to say, like, I promote mezcal, not only Mezcal Union. I love and get inspiration from so many other brands, so many other products and so many mezcals that are not even branded. But I think hospitality is the, the main motor for for this product and for being sustainable and for generating progress back in Oaxaca. I think the only thing that hospitality and, and windows like your podcast, mm -hmm. just try to be careful that, that whoever you're supporting or promoting, uh, they walk the talk. Absolutely. It, it's just, it's just yeah. important to do that because... I mezcal is like a, an emergent category that is booming and that can generate business for for many people throughout the the tiers. But I think it's just a matter of doing the, the right creeping and 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 <laughs> making sure that that whatever brand you guys invite, whatever brand you bring to your bar program, just try to do the the, the good research so you get to know the person that's promoting it, ask the right questions, and and I, I think. Uh, It, some people can fool others. Mm. I like the Bob Marley song. Some people can fool you, but not all the time. Remember that song? Mm -hmm. um, so, as a Jamaican, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> speaks right on brand. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's just important to do the right research and, and to make sure that any mezcal that you bring on board or you took about, uh, that they walk the talk and, and that they're really committed into preserving the artisanal process, looking for sustainability and being fair with farmers and producers. Uh, and I was going to just say like pricing, because sometimes when I go places and it's like a $5 shot of mezcal, I'm like, where? Right. Why? <laughs> yeah. Because just, just like that? thinking about how much goes into the production of it and how much you are you should be paying for a bottle of it and i think it doesn't get the respect 
in the profit margins that it deserves. Well, we talked about that recently with uh, Jackson Flores, who was here with us. Yes. And it's the idea. it's It's the idea that products from certain communities should always be seen as cheaper because Boo. it's not it's just it's it doesn't have the same value added to it which is bullshit and i would love to get some additional thoughts from you champ on on that because you know the only thing that I've that makes sense for this. right is just like they price things out for mm-hmm. white people only you know and then everything kind of falls Beneath Thank you so much. As well. Thank you. I I mean, I, by the way, this chocolate cocktail is. I've been amazing. waiting yeah, for this. this. Is, yeah. I'm like, before it, it brings me back to this is... Christmas home. Mm-hmm. My mom makes I some mean... good chocolate, and and, Let me and she has a... to try this with. We we call it uh, chocolate con piquete. You know, like the coffee. I used mm-hmm. to have a. Yes, yes. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I used to have a <laughs> professor that you could see that he would put some piquete on his coffee. I'm like. Oh. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I'm catching your Christmas dreams right now. (laughs) Really, I got the foamy mustache. Oh, you don't. But if you want to keep trying, go for it. Yes. 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 This is honoring (laughs) Tatiana and Ryan. Sorry, we're destroying (laughs) it right now. Yeah, no. But like this. Before we continue, hold hold up. This is insane. Yes. Yeah. This is absolutely insane. So we're now enjoying the Abrazo Caliente, which is with Mezcal Union, El Viejo, Chipotle coffee syrup, hot chocolate, hand whipped cream with orange zest. Oh my God. Like literally, this this feels like this conversation. Yeah. Just Aww. so warm and delightful. It is warm. And wholesome and mm-hmm. a little bit boozy. Right. Yep. Yes. Go on. But, yes. But so, yeah, yes, I mean, the value-driven aspect of I, it, right? I guess I, I, what I can share is yeah. a, a little bit of how we do things. Mm-hmm. What's the vision behind our company? Right. Yes. And maybe that can give some context of. It'll give context of what we stand for, who we are, and how we do things. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily means that we're the only brand that are following this path we've gotten a lot of inspiration from other brands from other people that because we're in a a new generation Mm -hmm. in mezcal um i'm 40 years old i started this brand with my three buddies uh 14 years ago but this is again a millenary tradition so we're new into mezcal but we partner up with farmers and producers that have inherited the knowledge throughout generations Mm -hmm. so I'm going to jump into our like our business model, yeah, how mm-hmm. we do things in Mezcal Union, yeah. so you can get a sense of it. Absolutely. And as I describe it, I can give you like a little bit of the full picture of of me and my my colleagues, my partners, etc. But yeah. going back, I'm from Guadalajara, and one of my good buddies from 20 years ago, Ton, Tonyo, we call him Tony, <laughs> Tony mm-hmm. Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, he moved to Mexico City about 20 years ago, and he moved out there and became really good friends with Shakes and Pepe. So it's Shakes, Pepe, Tony, myself, uh, Andres. Now we're a community company. Yeah. It's a, we're a lot involved. Uh, but my three partners, they started a hospitality company in 2008. They opened a bar in Mexico City in Condesa. It's called Leonor. Uh, you guys, if you're ever out there, give me a call. We'll go there. 
We'll listen to some good funk, soul, disco. Really I have good your DJs play there. Yeah, that's happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not shy, by the way. So, yeah, I'll be reaching out. No, no, please, please, man. And yeah. I really mean it. My, mi casa es su casa. You guys make it out there. We'll host you and, and we'll make sure you have a good time. Just let me know with time so that I'm there. But, <laughs> yeah. But it, it will be awesome Big to Sagittarius hang out. Sagittarius energy. <laughs> Might not be there. Come on down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on down, please. Um, <laughs> And I really mean it. Actually, I have to share this story real quick, but one of my best friends and, and allies of Mezcal Union, her name is Scarlett Lindman. I met her in New York City. Uh, one of these days, years back, that I was knocking some doors, trying to make friends with Mezcal and get the word out there. And we became really good friends and, and now. But at that point, she's like, I'm going to go to Mexico City. I'm like, if you ever come, please... Give me a ring and me and my wife, Diana, we would love to go out and, and show you around. And she did. She came and we had a, a good couple of days in Mexico City. Now we became really good friends, but she fell in love with Mexico so much that in that trip, she told us, I think I'm going to move here and I want to create a restaurant that I've always had this dream of creating it. And I'm going to do it in Mexico City. It's called Cicatriz. They have a, it's like a, Kind of like a Paloma Spritz. It's called oh, Yoko because there's a dog yeah. that goes there all the time. And it's made with Mezcal Union and it's one of the most popular cocktails in Mexico City. And again, it's through someone that I met through hospitality that wanted to come to Mexico City. So I really mean it. Are you if you really? guys want to come, yeah. please come Listen, and we'll have a good the time. The way that Terms you just described that, trip, so, I yeah, can't just yeah. go somewhere <laughs> on vacation and pack up my whole life, you know? And that's what you're making it sound like. You're like, if you come here... You will want to live here now, and I have four or at least cats. collaborate and, and I keep can't do that, that relation. Well, you'll see, you'll see. Okay, maybe we'll give talk yourself about it. an opportunity. Okay, give yourself an opportunity. I'll come I love visit, that. but I can't yeah. make promises. I mean, but I think it would be great for you guys to to let's build this relationship, take it to Mexico, and yeah. see how we can, how we can be a window for you guys to and and unite hospitality through these That's amazing the community podcasts. that we want here. No. Yeah. I and feel like community isn't thought about the same way, but I think that's the energy that we need, like here in Chicago. Yeah. What well, are community you doing? can also, uh, often feel <clears throat> one-sided because mm -hmm. there are those that are promoting the equity of community, and there are those that are simply promoting themselves. So that's a very significant difference. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, guys, I mean, just going back to, to the origin of us and the brand. So my three buddies started this bar and it's a really fun bar. Then they opened a second spot. By the time they had their third spot, I also moved to Mexico City because when I was doing these art events, um, I was approached by a brand that hired me and they invited me to move to Mexico City. It's uh, vitamin water. I don't know if you know vitamin. Oh my one. god! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so, Come on. So, so I worked. I worked for a, for a minute. It was three years in vitamin water, and and I was able to to get a lot of, of this learning of going to the street with a product in your in your tote bag or in your bag, and and just trying through common sense and and trying to make friends and try to share the best version of yourself through this work and making friends and and for me it was really inspiring to to get that opportunity to work um, in this sense 
and to build relationships. And one of those relationships were also Tonio's partners, Sheikhs and Pepe. And these guys that had three bars at the time, they saw how Mezcal mm-hmm. was up and coming and we were already drinking it. Two of us are from Guadalajara. We saw what happened with tequila, how it became more mass produced, industrialized, being a Mezcal. And out of the blue, uh, one day I was just hanging with them and they're like, hey champ, so we have an idea. We would like to venture into mezcal. And if you would like to, we would like you to be the general manager. Oh, my God. And we will support with the necessary funds. Not that they had a lot of money or whatever, mm. but they were successful in what way they were doing. And they wanted to to invest into mezcal. And they gave me the opportunity to become the general manager for Mezcal Union, which it was only myself, a backpack, and 10, 10 bottles. That's all you <laughs> that's, how, that's how it yeah. all started. But what inspired us about the most was that we started doing trips to Oaxaca to understand the context of, first off, communal land, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Communal land is very different from private property. And about 70% of agricultural land in our country, it's called communal land which means that it's not owned by anybody. It's, it means that the people from the villages have possession of the land. They don't own it, but they can work it, they can yes. manage it, and they have their own set of rules in the way of how they share land among them. Only people from those indigenous communities have access to those lands. And going back a little bit on Mexico history, we had the independence from the Europeans, After the independence, it was still very unequal. So we had the Mexican Revolution. And after the Mexican Revolution, there was this one president that said, La tierra es de quien la trabaja. It's not possible that one family or one dude owns an entire state. This is totally unfair. So what we're going to do is we're going to take away the land and from these people. And we're going to just give it back to the people, to the communities. Which is, a, which is an amazing way of, of, of reacting to the circumstances at the time. But at the same time, it brought a lot of challenges. Something that is occurring right now in Mexico is that we have communal land, pristine nature. I mean, it's paradise for agriculture. Mm-hmm. Most of the land in Mexico, it's not being used. Just so you guys know, like this, this quick reference. Corn is endemic to Mexico. Mm. We import more corn than what we produce as of today. It's ridiculous. And part of the challenge is because the private sector not necessarily has invested as they should into agricultural land because yeah. it's it's owned by an entire village. So it's really hard To, to like, to, you know, like parcel it, up and see what you can do with the land it, because it, it's everywhere. it's very complex and at the same time r- uh, there's a lot of risk involved because you're literally making uh, a relationship or a negotiation with a land that it's owned by an entire community, right? Mm-hmm. Which is very different if if I if, let's say you have uh, some piece of land and you and I. Right get along and so it, it adds a, a second tier of complexity of agricultural land in Mexico but that for us other than being something that demotivated us it mm-hmm. it brought all the inspiration into it and I'll tell you why the first thing we did was let's get in front of farmers producers men and women let's try to understand from their own voice 
What is the actual circumstance that they're living through? And through that, we can create a business model that in some way could respond in a positive way with these communities. So we did that for a few years, just traveling to Oaxaca. And it, it still is one of the best experiences that I can ever have in my life. I was just celebrating my birthday in Oaxaca with some Maestros Mezcaleros. It's just amazing to be like out three there. three days ago. <laughs> with that scenery, with this mezcal, with these agaves, and the people out there are so... They welcome you. They, they feel like this chocolate uh, cocktail. They, they welcome you. They, they, they literally offer you anything that they have on hand. Like, please come in. Can I offer you un taquito, un tamal, mezcalito? Like, it's, uh, you just fall in love with, with the place, with the people, with the soil, with the ground. And speaking to them, they also had made questions to us. And one of the main questions was, like, in their own words, but... What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. You know, like, what, what is your intent? Well, like, you're here, you're coming more and more. Like, what is it? Like, what's you your guys? deal, bro? So, what's your deal, bro? So, we're like, <laughs> listen, guys, um, we love our jobs. And, and we described what we did. We're in hospitality. We love promoting art. We love promoting projects that we believe in. But we want to get behind the project that represents the culture, the value of Mexico, and that in some way can generate a positive impact. That's why we're here. We have no clue how to do it, but we have the intent and this idea. And in their own words, they told us the following. Not exactly, and it didn't came from just one person, but it was like an overall common denominator. They said, please don't come here and industrialize this millionaire tradition. Hell yeah. Please don't come here and build a distillery. If you really want to make a difference, the only way to preserve an artisanal product and being sustainable is through bringing together small producers and farmers. Because once again, communal land, it's land that is split among the people that live in those communities. Mm. If you only work with one person, the opportunities would be for that one person. Exactly. But if you diversify the opportunities and bring people together, maybe you can have enough juice, booze, mezcalito that you can share throughout the world without becoming industrial or unfair for someone here. Yeah, because you guys are currently working with like a, more than 20 different producers and farmers. Yes. To yes. like do all of your work. And the more we grow, amazing. The, the more we grow. Shout the out to that research. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's creeping season <laughs> but you're totally right i mean um basically what we do is we saw that these small producers in most cases i mean they're called palenques they're not called distilleries okay. a palenque is a little workshop that people have at their little home which in most cases it's It's more like a shelter. Uh, Oaxaca is one of the richest culture-wise states within Mexico, one of the poorest economically. Yeah. And it's just in, like, how how could this happen? I mean, it's a millenary tradition. It's agaves, the the geography, the scenery of Oaxaca. It's just like Listen. paradise. Like, how is it possible? No tea, no wow. shade, but we live here <laughs> and there's like... When they, you're like, what is the culture of America? It's like, ooh, do you want to ask that question right now? <laughs> so it's like you have to trade one for the other, you know? And it certainly and that's what that it way. feels yeah. like, that's at least right now. And I think that we shouldn't have to live in a world where it feels like you have to, like, give up one thing to have another. 
But but yeah, that's what's happening. That's what's yeah yeah. Sad. But 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 it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a happy story. Yes. Uh, I mean yes. I think I think uh, on the upswing. Yes. <laughs> I think uh, at the end of the day, what from these conversations that we had, I remember we were driving back to Mexico City, and all of a sudden it was like, guys, I think we got it. They've told us how we can help. They, mm. they gave us the context. Not that we had all the answers. We still don't have them. And it's not like everything we do is perfect. We're learning as we go. We started a brand from scratch and we've fucked up in many ways. We've had good things that have done with many mistakes. We learn from them, try to make things better. But we were driving back and we said, let's create La Unión Mezcalera. They're telling us that the one thing that will preserve artisanal and sustainable and the one way that we can really make a positive impact is by bringing people together. Let's create La Unión Mezcalera. It's going to be called Mezcal Unión. We're going to find our first producer that wants to partner up with us mm -hmm. and we're going to take it from there. So basically what we do is producers in Oaxaca at their little palenques produce anywhere between a thousand from a hundred liters to a thousand liters a year. They put it on Coca-Cola pet bottles or, yep, mm -hmm. or like literally pet bottles and they exchange it as a type of currency or they go to Oaxaca or they try to approach a main road and try to sell their mezcalito. Mm -hmm. But they can only produce a minimum amount. So what Mezcal Union does is we try to take them to at least 2,500 liters a month. Okay. From 200 liters a year? Yes. Or in some cases, 1,000 liters a year? to 2,500 liters at least a month. And how do we do this? Well, basically it all started with one family, which is more, it's Cirilo and Pedro Hernández, two brothers from an 11 sibling family. Oh my God. And the two younger yeah. ones, uh, yeah. all the family used to work for dad, uh, Don Cosme Hernández, which is one of the most celebrated maestros mezcaleros. I'm a, an aficionado of his product. Uh, he produces Alipus San Baltasar, which, by the way, Alipus Los Danzantes, here it's called Los Nahuales, was one of the pioneer entrepreneurs from the city that started making relationship with farmers and producers and created a brand in Mexico. But we started working with Cirilo and Pedro. They wanted to become independent. They wanted to start their own distillery. And we started with them. And basically what we did was invest so they could scale their production capacity and support also by providing agave uh, to the door of the Palenque. Yeah. In that way, they have more tools to scale their productivity and have more have agave and not necessarily worrying for a kickoff uh, cash flow. Okay, yeah. But just have the, the proper tools to, to get the ball rolling and produce some juice And we started with them. And then um, I started hand selling. I still do it like that. Uh, all our team, we do it like that. It's all based on human relationships. And we started knocking doors in Mexico City. Uh, basically, I grabbed the notebook. Like It's been built pretty much. Uh, we don't have a background in marketing. Mm -hmm. It's been built from gut and from common sense. Like, where do we start? Well, I mean, it we, seems like your whole thing is like listening and then doing what you heard yeah and yeah. that's because it made fucking sense wild yeah, but I mean, that you're just like yep this thing. is direct and that's how i'm gonna do it but 
it's working for you. It has worked. Uh, <laughs> we feel very fortunate. It's crazy, like listening and then doing the thing that people ask. Shocking. <laughs> Wild. But we started yeah. like that with them. The other thing is that as of today, we're collaborating with a little over 200 people throughout nine different regions of Oaxaca. Mezcal Unión is produced throughout several small palenques. And the agave that we source comes from different families throughout Oaxaca. And the more we grow, the more relationships we build, not only in the hospitality, but it mm -hmm. traces back to traceability, production, agave farming. On and the agave putting far new ones into the ground and so you're new constantly ones. building Because otherwise you're, you're shooting yourself in the feet. Damn right. Mezcal is made out of agave. If at some point you run out of agave, that's it. You're done. So you, there's a huge responsibility behind being in this business. So what we've been doing throughout more than a decade in the agricultural side is very similar. We, we go to the comisariados. So let's say San Juan del Rio or Ejutla de Crespo or San Baltasar de la Vila or different, different villages. The way it works is every three years, the people from the community will select uh, El Comisariado, which is a team of people from their own community that would look after for the following three years on the interest on behalf of the, of the community. So we go to these comisariados, to their office, and we present ourselves as Mezcal Union. Mm. And we literally share with them our forecast for the future. We look for producing this amount of liters this year. In order to do that, we need this amount of agaves this year and in the following years. And when we present the project, then the comisariado introduces us to families that might be interested in collaborating with us. Mm. On the agave side, what we do... In most cases, it's elder men and women that are still out there. That's why El Viejo, we call it El Viejo, honoring the wise old men and women that are out there because the new gener generations have had to migrate to the U.S. or to major cities. In some cases, it's not the most, but some cases, crime has sadly been their only option. So honoring them, we call it El Viejo. But Los Viejitos, they're, they're older and, and they not necessarily have the energy but they have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we uh, we tell them, okay, if you have one acre or five acres, would you like to activate your land? And they basically say, okay, what's the deal? We put the investment from seed to harvest. We take full risk in regards, like if at halfway through the agaves die, we're committed to replant them. We got to oh, harvest wow. what we started. Hell yes. And, yeah. and that's part of the negotiation. So we put from seed to harvest the economic resources so they can activate their land, build a team, create jobs. And when the time comes to harvest, we will buy the agave from them. Oh my God. And on right. the production side, again, it's just helping them scale their production capacity by this support. And in return, they give us a good price. Uh, and that allows us for Union Uno to have a competitive price in the market that allows bars to have it as a house mezcal. And luckily, we've had people that have supported it throughout more than a decade that they are the main motor once again for this story to become true. Without oh. hospitality, without, without bartenders, without waiters, uh, men and women, uh, without the people behind hospitality, we would be no one. That's how powerful hospitality is. 
it's you guys and distributors breakthrough. You're here, brother. Yeah. Like it's, it's hospitality. <laughs> it's the distributors. Yeah. It's the importers. It's yeah. the promoters. It's it's everyone that makes this special. And it's just putting the dots together that makes a story come to 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 truth. You know. So that's how we do things. Um, that's how we will continue to do things. And that's what motivates us. Every time we have an opportunity to speak about Mezcal Union, we're just the voice of the people that we admire so much and that we feel connected to. Ah, you know? oh, he's bringing the sauce to the table. No. So good. The sauce. God damn. So I'm not going I'm, I'm not, I'm not to do the sigh. We have to. I'm not, no, no, no. We, we got a little, little, little a time little here. So okay. As we are coming to a close on You just said we weren't doing it, and then you I'm said we are coming to yet. a close. I'm not doing it yet. You're lying. I'm not. Okay. Maybe. He's lying. <laughs> but so, in closing, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we haven't even talked about this book yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's okay. We haven't. Yes, we haven't, but yes, but I have. This a, is I the ten to, to fifteen minute marker. Yeah, he's saying the, the first no. thing, which is a good news. Yeah. We have a book for all of you. I think we do. What? We brought we brought we brought twenty books uh, from yes. Mexico. They're in Spanish because the English version is coming from the printer sometime soon. We'll get it. Mm-hmm. But we're launching this book. We got some here for you. If anyone didn't got one uh, by the end of the day, we'll make sure that you guys get it. But thank Spicy. you for being here. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. And everything that I've just said, it's what this book is about. This is an homage to all the people that have been part of Mezcal Union, that it's an homage to everyone that made this story possible. It's not about me. It's not about my business partners. Mm-hmm. It's about everyone that has made this possible. So... <laughs> I'm like, where are we going from here? Yeah. We can't go Just anywhere I, from here. Look at his book. One place that we're certainly going to go, and something that we haven't done before. Okay. So it's a terms of service first. What? We're gonna do a Q and A. Oh, ah, nice. Yeah. nice. Oh, shit. Nice. Nice. Yeah, you know, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like okay. That's, well, if that's, that's gonna happen, do. we're also gonna do a. Another first where I get up and I use the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I go. Like right now. Yeah, like right now. Okay, perfect. But- <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> perfect. Does anyone does anyone have a question? For cha- yeah. Oh, cha- there is a the yeah, first okay, there brave is, one. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yes. Uh Judy. Um, would Mezcal Union ever expand outside of Oaxaca? Would you ever consider doing things in other regions of Mexico that are also traditional? Yes, well, the, um, Mezcal has a denomination of origin of nine states as of today. 95% of artisanal Mezcal comes from Oaxaca. It's the Mecca. Responding to your question, we are solely focused in Oaxaca. That's where we are. Uh, that's where this start. This company started. In the future, there's still so many farmers, producers that I wish we could integrate them and give them the same opportunity, and they give us the opportunity to team up. But if luckily Mezcal Union in the following years has good success, it would be a dream 
to expand this model and bring opportunities throughout other states that have the denomination of origin. The more people involved, the richer this philosophy and this way of doing things will be. And the more people that are part of it, the more people that can make a living throughout this beautiful spirit. So 100%. Hopefully one day Oaxaca is not enough that we can expand uh, our traceability footprint. It would be an absolute dream. But even though it's been a little more than a decade and we work with a little over 200 people, it's nothing to the possibilities that we could expand still in Oaxaca. So, yes. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, Broey, yes. First one, uh, is it Tobala or Tobala? Tobala? It's, I'll say it slow. <laughs> it's uh, Tobala. There is an accent in the last A, Tobala. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, also, this one's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Excellent. Thank yeah. you for that. Uh, the second question is uh, the Master Miscalier program yes. uh, that is being headed up by uh, the Scorpion Miscal. Uh -huh. uh, it hasn't been in existence, at least in practice here in Chicago, for quite some years. Um, there's a lot of politics involved with the education system around uh, something that could be arbitrary, potentially, like a sommelier certification, Moscalier certification. Um, I'm not convinced that it's necessary, but are you all looking into any sort of education component with Moscow for us to be able to talk about it? Um, in a way that you like to box things in as humans and, and categorize and, and check off boxes. Is this something that you're interested in or is this something that really is necessary? Yes. Um, I think uh, the one thing that, that we've done throughout this decade on, on the brand ambassadorship uh, space for Mezcal Union, it's through education. We not necessarily have like a, a diploma or a course to make someone a, a mezcalier, a sommelier like from mezcal. We don't have that, but we do try to learn and understand with depth as much as we can. And it's that knowledge that we've been able to acquire throughout these years by through sharing it. And through educating others, that's how this brand has been built. I think the number one asset for an emergent category to grow, it's by educating others everything that has to be known around this spirit. Or it could be on other categories and other products. But it's through education and through sharing knowledge that you can create something to transcend. There is one guy in Oaxaca that I would love to collaborate with, and it's part of our plans. His name is Ulises Torrentera. He has a mezcaleria called In Situ. And he's uh, one of the most knowledgeable persons that I've known academically in, in regards to agave and mezcal. And it is part of my dream, and I've had a couple conversations with him to see how we could integrate him into our team so that 
we can get as much depth and education around what makes mezcal complex and special other than our own experience talking to farmers and producers like how can we take this to another academic level and share it being us promoters of it um, so responding to your question there's not specifically a course or a diploma on behalf of mezcal union but the one thing that we love doing is sharing what we've learned throughout these years uh, i don't know if that answers But if at some point we get to do something with Ulises Torrentera, I promise to let you know. Because hey, nice. this guy is like, it's amazing, like yeah. the knowledge he has. You go into his bar, he's always listening to good jazz. And, and I mean, you, you know, Cortland, you've been there. <laughs> and it's just this one guy that is listening to jazz and the way he expresses himself and describes the flavors, aromas of each individual mezcal that he has on the back bar. Uh, which in most cases, it's not even called mezcal. It's called destilado de agave because they don't have a denomination of origin. But just listening to this guy and, and reading his books, I think it's a great way of, of getting with full depth what mezcal is all about. Ulises Torrentera from In Situ Mezcalería. Yeah. Mm. I came back halfway through that. And I went <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome back. Because now we're... Welcome back. Now we're doing the thing. Oh, it's real? Yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah. So, Champ, how was your time with us? How has been the time? Yeah. It's been amazing. And it's not only been the time that we've been sitting here and since I was able to... It's been a few days that you guys been on my mind. I was so excited to be here, <laughs> traveling all the way from Mexico, yeah. on the plane. Like, I was really nervous about it. You guys <laughs> have made me, all of you, feel at home. I feel really good. And, and I feel very grateful for this I this. feel grateful oh, God. we also feel feel extremely yes. extremely grateful and just thank you nah, thank you thank honestly you. so thank you. so so much and doing the things that we know that we gotta we need to do yeah we would like to shout out our friends here at the Albion Manor for hosting this necessary conversation for sure yes also, muchas muchas gracias yes Also, on top of that, the entire um, Garnet crew for these fire-ass beverages. Thank you so Thank much, you, Ryan. Ryan and Tatiana. Also, the entire Birria crew that makes this. Yes, I'm yes. not even done. I'm not done. I'm not done. There's a whole thing. Always. Also, yes, the Bico crew. Also, Oscar from Birria Tata Tacos. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, also, <laughs> also, Cortez for Chief everything. Documentation. Cortez, yeah. Marco, Judy, Max on the producer side. Nariba, thank you. With your face. S stop it right now. <laughs> okay, I was just like, it's the only one I got, so I'm pretty oh. happy with it. Thank you. Um, and then, most importantly, the community here that really, really makes Terms of Service what it is. I can... I can say it from, from the mountaintops, but it is such a pleasure to be able to make it to season three and I mean, look so much further into the future. For so real. thank you, thank you, thank you. Long live your podcast. Yes, brother. thank Long you. Live. And I am Justin Arnett Graham. You can find me on Instagram at this is Biko Nariba. My name is Reba Shepherd. Stop it right now. Do it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you so much for coming today. Um, this was a grand old time. Yeah. My name is Nariba Shepard. You can find me on Instagram at Rebaru, R-E-B-A-R-U. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, and Champ, would you like to close us out as we all take this, take this wonderful shot here? Well, um, just again, my name is Alejandro yeah. Champion. You yes. can also find me on Instagram. It's yeah. Champion with two A's, like Champion. <laughs> and we have we just recently started our Instagram feed for the U.S. It's called Mezcal Union at Mezcal Union U- U.S. Yes, like mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So Mezcal Union U.S. Um, would be amazing if you guys can follow us. Let's Absolutely. stay connected. Yeah. Please, once again, nuestra casa es su casa. You make it to Oaxaca, let us know. We'd love to show you around. So everything that we just said, you can actually experience it with your own eyes, with your own hands, and with sipping some mezcalito. Yes, no? like, yes. little kisses. I, still, I just wanted to wish the, the best to all of you for these New Year's, uh, these holiday seasons, and I hope you have a great time with your loved ones and families, and salud. Salud! Salud! <laughs> salud. Cheers. 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 Pin, receivers. Oh, 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 oh my god. Oh my god. Oh. 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 I learned so much today. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I wanted. All my notes were like questions about Mexico, like how we can be more prepared for like the future. And thank you. Marco, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're the best, man. Episode we love you. I love you, brother. Uh, no, you guys. Great. I, I didn't even know. Right, I brought you. Oh my god. This is amazing. Uh, I can't. So much fun.